Good morning, church family. So glad that you're here. Please turn with me to James chapter 5. We are continuing on. Today we're in verses 10 and 11. James chapter 5. Today is true faith endures. So it's bad enough last week we're preaching about patience. Okay, you can be patient for a few minutes, right? Patient for in a couple hours, maybe a day, you know, pushing it if you got to be patient for a week. But now James is like, be patient with your, your brothers and sisters in Christ and everything else in your world, but do it for a long time. We're talking enduring patience, uh, the endurance it takes in our faith to trust in God, rely on him, keep our eyes focused on Jesus as we deal with anything that life throws at us. So James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, and I sat there thinking, okay, what things have I had to endure you know, and Carrie and the boys are watching, so I'm not talking about them. Um, there's a, a lot of things to endure, but one thing kept popping up, and it was piano lessons. All right? I was a committed piano learner. Is that even a thing? Whatever. Student. I don't know. Well, I was a student sometimes. Uh, so I wanted to, to learn piano. My dad was a, mus- a musician, the worship leader at the church. He understood the commitment to an instrument, to, to music, period. Like the entire, you know, basic music principles you need to learn. So they were like, well, I'll tell you what. We'll pay for lessons. Of course, they're great. What am I going to do? And now that I think about that, what did mom and dad expect me to get a job? <laughs> anyway, third grade, hey, so we'll pay for lessons, but you have to commit through high school. For piano. I'm like, yeah, that'll be fun. Two days later, you have to practice every day? What? <laughs> so sure enough, I, now I did. Third grade through my senior year of high school, I took piano lessons. Um, got to where it was an hour a day, five days a week, and it was horrific, like terrible. Now, any of you, I, I, mean, I hope, you know, the kids aren't listening at home. <laughs> Oh, Pastor Randy said it's terrible to practice. No, it's good to practice. You got to practice. Practice everything you do. But it it was an enduring factor of my life. But I have to say the rewards are amazing. Let me share with you, with my practicing all those times, I was in all the bands in high school. I was able to go to Fresno State my first year of college in the marching band. I was able to do multiple other things with music. That would not have happened with without all of my years of piano experience and piano lessons. Theory, all of that gave me a an ability to not only be talented by what God's given me, but by learn and equip myself to be ready to use it for God's glory. And I've led music. I've done musicals. Like there's a ton of stuff that I've done because of those years of endurance has been become enjoyable. Uh, and it is a blast. But in the meantime, and in that hour when my friends are outside, it's sunny, it's a great day, and it's almost the weekend, and I've got to knock out an hour. And by the way, I didn't have like the cool gizmos, like cell phones and electronic devices that play music so that mom thought I was practicing, you know, in the back room. Um, I had to actually like do it. But I had a lot of snack breaks, and I've got to go to the bathroom, you know, for my hour. But mom needed to, like, add the extra minutes. Anyway, it was a never-ending battle, but great things came out of it. James is like, look, you have your faith. 
It'd be great. You know, in our faith, we have all access to God. We have the complete package, but we've got to work some things out. We've got to work through our faith, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And through trials and tribulations, our faith actually grows. Um, endurance comes from the hard work that will end up being, in our situation, in our faith, a glorious day uh, when Christ comes back or we get to be in heaven. But in that meantime, we've got a lot of work to do. And we're tempted to doubt God's goodness and his love for us because life gets hard. God, I thought you loved me. You know, why is this so difficult? And James is like, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on your faith because it's going to be worth it. And if you turn, you can turn with me to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 kind of gives us a little picture of where we're going to go. Psalm 73, verses 12 and 13. Because sometimes the world's way would be easier. We've talked about God's way, God's plan. Sometimes the world has its way. uh, And and culture has its ways of trying to do things easier. We kind of try to think we can do things easier ourselves. That's a lot easier than God's way. But in Psalm 73, verses 12 and 13, the psalmist says, Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. So here's the picture, similar in James' time, of the the rich are wealthy, they're well off, they're oppressing the poor, those who don't have money, and they keep getting rich. And life looks easy for them. And that's how many times have we thought, man, it would be so much easier to not be a Christian, to not have to deal with my faith. It would be so much easier just to get into the stream of of worldliness and just cruise the stream in an easy, luxurious, kickback, relaxing way. But no, we've been called to something greater, and that's our relationship with Jesus. And then jumping down to verse 25 and 26 of Psalm 73, he's reminded that but God continues to always be there. And the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, amen to that, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that's where we're going to go. We know these things. It's rough. It's going to be difficult. James knows this. And So James brings up two different examples for us to keep our eyes focused on. One is the prophets, and one is Job. James is like, you've got to endure the faith. Look at what the prophets had to go through. They were men of God. They were their God's spokesman, his ambassador to people who wanted nothing to do with God, didn't even know who God was. And they had an uphill battle to work through in their life and in their ministry. You have Moses who wandered in the wilderness and had to endure a whole bunch of complaining people uh, to get them to get them through that situation. You had Daniel who was thrown into the lion's den because he defied the order to stop worshiping God. Zechariah, who sealed his testimony with his blood, was put to death in the temple. You have Elijah, who was chased by Jezebel, who wanted him dead for executing all those prophets of Baal. So they had a rough life. And I want us to hang out with Jeremiah uh, as, as kind of a highlight prophet for us for today. But even Jesus talked about look and keep your eyes focused on the past. Look at what people have gone through in the past. Look at what God has done in their life, and they've endured and made it through. 
we have so many people in our life now who have gone before us, who we can look and look at the example of what God has done in our life to get us through a situation. And we've talked about the parallel of James and his influence by Jesus uh, and the Sermon on the Mount. Let me read to you Matthew 5, 10 through 12, because here's Jesus talking about the same thing that James is. Look back at where I have taken these prophets and these people in their faith and be encouraged by that. So Matthew 5, 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So even Jesus mentioned the prophets. So there's something to kind of looking back, seeing what God has done through them. Okay, so let's hang out with Jeremiah. So here's Jeremiah. He's called to preach his entire life. And by the way, he gets nothing but negative comments with all of his sermons. There is no one that likes what he's saying at all. Now, kind of joke. No, it's not a joke. I'm a needy person. Uh, you know, earlier with John, I have to say the whole warm, fuzzy, cold, prickly thing is true in my life. Do you understand what that formula is? A warm fuzzy is something nice, encouraging, and loving, and it takes 10 warm fuzzies to equal one cold prickly. A cold prickly is like something mean you say to someone, right? So I can have an amazing day on a Sunday morning, two worship services, everyone's happy in Bible study, everything's going great, and one person can make one comment, and I'll think about it the rest of the day. I mean, I, I know no one else is like that, right? Yeah. So here's Jeremiah, who he's getting nothing but negative, nothing but cold prickly. Is like, Jeremiah, you've lost your mind. You know, what are you doing? Who are you even talking about? We don't believe you. So, so he's having struggles. And it is negative responses year in and year out. And it's tough for him to keep going, but he does. He truly endures, and he continues to proclaim God's truth. And he also suffered some physical ailments, some physical persecution. He was beaten, put in the stocks, imprisoned, thrown into a muddy pit. He also had to contend with these false prophets that were sharing nice things, easy life things, you know, tickling the ear with, hey, here's how life really should be. You don't have to go this difficult faith route with God. And so he's competing with these false prophets. And at the very end, though, Jeremiah's audience, whoever would hear him, still called him a liar. Like, you're not speaking truth whatsoever. But yet, in spite of all these setbacks, Jeremiah was faithful. He endured to where he easily could write in Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 24. And you can turn there with me. Uh, We will go back there later. But Jeremiah 3, or Lamentations 3 22 to 24 says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. We could stop right there, right? And be, that's good enough. His mercies never come to an end. Thank you for that. Thank you. They are new every morning. Thank you, Jesus, that we wake up and they're new. It's not reused. It's not recycled. New mercies every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So here's Jeremiah's testimony at the end of everything. That the Lord is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. And we can look back, look at Jeremiah, compare whatever's going on in our life. And there are some terrible things going on in our lives. And understand that God is there. God is faithful. We may not see him. We may not hear him. But he is faithful. And I think sometimes we are naive to the fact that as we enter, enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that he's more powerful than anything else in this world. Amen? So then he should protect us from everything. Life should be easier, right? If God's almighty God, why isn't he keeping me from this situation? Why have I lost this loved one? Why is my spouse dealing with this? Or why are my kids going through this? Or why is my job a mess? If you're so powerful, God, why aren't you taking care of that? But we need to realize that we are persecuted and we go through trials because of our faith. The prophets endured because they proclaimed the the words of God. And we need to understand that Jeremiah, looking reading through the book, it's like, Jeremiah, just stop. Just give up. Quit preaching. Be done. Go, go retire. Go, you know, raise goats on a farm or something. Make your life easier for yourself. But Jeremiah couldn't. You know why? Because he was called by God. He had a calling on his life that he loved God and could not stop talking about him. To the point that Jeremiah said in 20 verses 9, in the book of Jeremiah, but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart I become like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. I cannot. So there's such a passion for God and his faithfulness to Jeremiah that he can't stop talking about it. And that's where we need to be in our faith, that if God has done anything in our life, wait, let me back this up. If God has saved us, there is nothing more that we need to be burning with a desire in every ounce of our flesh to share the love of Christ with others and to live that out. If that is our true salvation experience. And so here's Jeremiah. He can't stop. And he he continued to speak and he suffered for it. So the Old Testament prophets ought to encourage us. They ought to be an example for us. And we need to pay attention to those ahead of us in the faith. Romans 15, 4, and I'll read this to you. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it is all throughout. We have so much to learn from scripture and the stories, the characters in the Bible who God completely changed their lives. And we have people in our own church, in our own lives, who have gone before us in our faith that we can look back to and see the faithful journey that they endured for the glory of God. And then James brings up Job. Job was a mess, right? Of all people to talk about endurance and patience, it's Job. Even the first verse of Job 1 says that Job was blameless and upright, an upright man who feared God and turned away from evil. So he is right with God. He was where he needed to be in his faith and in his relationship. So things should have been pretty good, right? And it was for a while. He was very rich. He had a whole bunch of sheep and camels and ox and donkeys and a lot of servants and seven sons and three daughters. 
Oh, and a lovely wife and some friends, but that's a whole other story, right? He lived a godly life to the point that Satan comes to God and, and God's kind of bragging on Job, like, hey, here's this guy who's super faithful. And Satan's like, well, of course he's faithful to you. You know, you have protected him. You've, you've made sure, you've blessed him. You have made sure he's all okay. And God was like, I think it's more than that. I think he truly loves me. So you can do whatever you want. Just don't harm Job himself. Do whatever you want with his possessions and his family. So sure enough, Satan took advantage of that, wiped out all of Job's possessions, and ended up causing the house to fall that killed his his children. And what was Job's response? Did he sit there and curse God and say, I'm done, I give up, God, where were you? You protected me this whole time. And now all of a sudden you're gone and I've lost everything? I mean, that would probably be my response. No, Job says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all of this, Job did not sin or did he blame God? Wow. Like, he he gets this faith thing. So Satan's not done because Satan comes back to God and is like, hey, come on, let me test him a little bit more. And God says, look, don't kill him. But you can do anything you want to to Job. So sure enough, probably one of the terriblest things that can happen to anyone is Satan allows these painful boils to be from head to toe on Job. So Job's dealing with that. His wife has just had enough. She advises, advises Job, look, just curse God and be done. Die. Just, just be finished. And then his French friends show up. These three friends that are there to comfort and encourage, right? No. He, they're sitting there blaming Job. Look, you did something wrong because now God's punishing you. You've done something that has really angered God and now you're paying for it. Like nothing but negative advice that they have given Job throughout this whole time. Cause, called him a hypocrite and that God is judging him and causing all this stuff to be wrong with him. But Job defended himself and continue to stay strong. And at this point, it's like, God, look, things, something's going on and is calling for an audience with God. God, where are you in the midst of this? And Satan even predicted that Job would get impatient and abandon his faith, but he did not. Uh, but Job did question God, but he still endured. And he wrote this, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. Do you know it's okay to question God? Do you know it's okay to have a conversation with God that goes something like, really, God, again in my life, like, I'm done, I can't handle anymore? It's okay to, to do that. It is okay. That's this relationship that we have with God the Father, that we can stay faithful, we can stay true and love him. But, man, sometimes it's like, God, what are you doing? Like, I, I'm already completely empty on my faith and then you throw another curveball in my life like really and but it's god's faithfulness and it's that love that he has now a fourth friend shows up with job corrects the first three uh, and confronts job and god does appear and has this conversation with job god graciously restores job's health and his fortune and he gives him 10 more children not only that, he allows him to live to see his grandchildren to the fourth generation. So now God has blessed over and above what Job had before. Now, did Job know all that? 
speaking of knowing what's going to be at the end and our hope for the future, Job didn't have a clue. But I think Job's love and faithfulness to God, he would have been satisfied with just ending the physical misery, but maybe even more than that, until his last day that he would have been faithful to God. So out of this this picture of Job, this picture of Jeremiah, are some things for us to kind of take away from that. And one is don't give up. The next is trust God's plan and then trust God's love. So don't give up. We've talked about this. And this is what James is encouraging us to do to endure, to make it through. And it says, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. And endurance comes from trials and difficulties. You can't endure and have this this long faith if everything was super easy. We have the Olympics coming up. These athletes have trained their whole life for one moment for potentially to win a, a medal. A gold medal is the best, obviously. So they know they have something to, to aspire towards and to shoot for, and they know what the reward's going to be, but it takes endurance. It takes a lot of work. It takes hours and hours to prepare for that one event. And it's over and above what it actually costs for that event. And in our faith, we've got to work our faith out. We've got to challenge our faith. God's going to challenge our faith. Uh, We have to put our faith up against any situation that we are going through. And guess who's going to pull through for us is God. So don't give up. We talked last week about keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, keeping our eyes targeted and focused on him. And through that, we have our eyes on the goal. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says, looking to Jesus, and we, we read this last week also, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Aren't you glad Jesus endured? Aren't you glad that Jesus knew what the ultimate price was going to cost him, but was worth our salvation? Aren't we glad that Jesus endured? Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And why not count those blessed who endured if they had to experience persecution? Why do we have to go through the trials of our faith? It's because of our blessed hope, the coming of the Lord, knowing that Jesus is coming or we're going to end up in eternity in heaven at the end of our days here. So knowing that we do have a target, we do have a goal that we're going to reach that is going to be so much blessed than anything that we've ever experienced because we will be in, be face-to-face with God and Christ and being able to worship and have this amazing eternal glory because of our hope in him. But think about this. If God's promises of heaven and spending eternity in his presence were not true, when we would be fools to suffer, right? Why are we suffering if there's no end goal in sight? And 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen speaks of this. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, okay, God can do some great things in our life, but our ultimate goal is going to be heaven or Christ's return. And so if our hope is in this life only, then we are all people most to be pitied. Because the ultimate glory, the ultimate goal, the ultimate 
plan for God for our life is for us to be in his presence for eternity. And so we have that. And we have that to work through and to keep our eyes on him. So don't give up. And then trust God's plan. We've talked about trusting God for the last few weeks. His plan is better than ours or the world's plan for our life. And it says, you have seen the purpose of the Lord. And we read the end of the story. We know that all of Job's sufferings, he was going to be blessed. We saw that because we got to read the, the book. But Job didn't know that. But trust God's plan, and he did. And can you imagine if Job kind of bailed? What if Job had just given up and quit? We wouldn't have his testimony to be talking about right now. Now, there are others. But man, to, to look at Job's life that he endured all the way through is a great testimony. What are some things in our life that we are just ready to be done? We're ready to give up. We're ready to say, God, I can't handle anymore. I've already been through enough. I'm just done. But what if we endure? What if our faith continues to grow and God brings us through that in this time and in this life that then we can be a testimony for others who are going to go through the same thing? I promise that all of us has a plan from God. All of us have a purpose. Every person in this room, every purpose in, or every person in this building, every person has a purpose in this life who have gone to Christ Jesus to ask him to be their Lord and Savior. And that is to glorify God. And no matter what life brings, because none of our lives look the same, we're going to be able to be a testimony to others with what God has brought us through. Stay strong. Trust God's purpose. And let me share with you, we had a, a phenomenal luncheon for Lori McClellan uh, as a, wasn't a funeral, it was a memorial luncheon. And Lori McClellan was a, a lady who was wheelchair bound. She passed last year. But know that Lori was the most angelic, beautiful person that I've ever seen of faith. Beautiful smile, beautiful testimony. And she has gone through so much. And then I sat there, because I've had a lot of woe is me times dealing with Carrie and all of that she's going through and that, that we're going through together. Look at Lori going, man, Carrie's not going through a fraction of that. And so to see Lori's faithfulness and joy, and can I tell you who one of the top people that prayed the most for Carrie was? Lori. Someone who understood what I was going through was Lori and Charlie. Her testimony blew my mind. And my woe is me days became a lot less because of her testimony. There are so many people that we can look around. God has given us an amazing family. And we're, we don't joke about family just to be flippant. There's something to a depth and love of growth, of, of faith journaling together and journeying together. It's a family. And we have so much to learn from each other. And can I tell you that it is okay to say that God has a plan for you? Um, in counseling, it's not the best to, if someone has immediately just lost someone, someone's going through a horrific situation to say, well, you know what? All things are going to work out for the glory of God. You know, this is good because all things, right? Have you heard that and be like, not the time. Like, I don't want to hear that. You know, give, give me a little bit of time to grieve. But is there not truth in this verse that, and we know 
that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's truth there. Now, is the timing great? Probably not. I remember younger times in my ministry, uh, first time someone passed away and it was even in the family's home and it was a youth's grandma and I'm like, I got to drive over there. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. You know, and it, it probably wasn't the best time to say, guess what? It was good. You know, it was good that grandma died because God, that God has a plan, right? So timing issues, but is it true that God had a plan that grandma died? Absolutely. Is it true that you're going through a horrific situation right now? Yes, because it's God's plan. So there's, there's truth to that and hold on to that. Trust God's plan. Know that God has a plan for our life, that he will work out his purposes in his time. That's always the harder part, right? And for his glory. And then trust God's love. God loves you. God loves me. He gave his life for us. How there's not much, like that's enough, right? Talks about the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Compassionate that's full of pity very kind, large-hearted, merciful is tender mercy. These two words aren't much different. And when you put them together and use them side by side, it adds more emphasis. We can speak all day, and we do, and I hope that we always do from this pulpit and from this stage and from our classrooms and from the way that we treat each other, that God loves you. God loves me. And I'm going to give you a reality check right now. I think that's part of the issue of why we get frustrated with God. Hey, God, if you love me so much, why am I going through this? God, if you're so compassionate and so full of pity, you're not being very pitiful to me right now. You're not showing me pity. Lord of mercy, where's my mercy? Like, why am I going through this? Can I tell us a reality check? We We don't deserve any of it. We don't deserve any of it. It was enough that we have access to God the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit for our salvation alone. Right? That's enough. Ticket to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I'll have to endure. But we've talked about God being all in. And God does just flood our lives with mercy and love and compassion We don't earn that. We bring nothing to the table in this relationship. Do you understand? We bring nothing to the table. God's love for us is so amazing that he gives without a return. We have nothing to give him. And so when we see these words, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, we can't even speak of the truth of that because we don't understand it. We thank God, I've given you my life, I've been faithful, why is this happening? And people bail. People bail left and right out of church. Father, I've given you this, I've studied your word, why in the world is my life stinky right now? Or worse words. We don't, it's, it's not that he owes us anything. He's given us, and he is going to give us abundantly. It's going to blow our mind with that. Faith is hard. Our journey is hard. Our work through our salvation is hard. Don't give up. Please don't give. Don't give up on our faith. 
Don't give up on God. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on the work of the Holy Spirit. And can I say, don't give up? Okay? Um, dealt with this situation recently about suicide. Don't give up on life. Please reach out. Please reach out. Don't give up. God has a plan and a purpose. He loves you. He loves me. We've got this. I know it's hard, but we've got this. And God loves us. Let me close by reading this Lamentations passage again. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. If I can get through this right now. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Father, I thank you for today. You continue to blow us away with our opportunity to worship, our opportunity to hear your words, our opportunity to love on each other and encourage each other. Father, I know that some of us are struggling desperately in our lives and in our faith. Father, I pray for strength. I pray for a calm. I pray for your presence to be felt in an awesome and mighty way in their life right now. Father, I thank you for this time of worship that we can gather together and truly sing your praises and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.